Look, Peter, he said, never mind that. I've got a piece of news for you. Misha Fox is in England. I know, said Sawood. You know, said Rainborough, disappointed. How? He called on me last week, said Sawood. Rainborough looked annoyed. Your favourite, he said. He hasn't condescended to call on me. I inferred that he was around when I saw that unspeakable man Calvin Blick in Oxford Street. I crossed the road to avoid him. Then I saw it in the evening news. As you never read the papers, I thought you mightn't know. Ah, well, said Sawood. His bush of brown hair had fallen over his eyes. It's all the more maddening, said Rainborough, because I have the reputation of being Misha's friend, and the ten thousand people who want to see him will all start calling on me. I'm never so popular as when Misha Fox is in England. Did he say anything about me? No, said Peter Sawood. Rainborough sat silent, frowning, his lower brow wrinkled up into a knot of lines. He would have said sincerely and with a sort of pride that Misha Fox was one of his best friends, yet in his heart he now felt fear and almost hatred of the man. He never felt easy in his mind so long as Fox was in the country. I'm expecting Rosa, said Peter Sawood. You must stay and say hello to her. He hoped that this indicated politely but clearly to Rainborough that he was not expected to stay longer than that. Rosa! Oh, good! said Rainborough. A light gleamed in his eyes, which was almost, but not quite, pleasure. Rainborough had known Rosa for more years than Sawood had, and in the matter of Rosa he felt a certain resentment. Rainborough would have liked to play the role of being unhappily in love with Rosa, but it had been Sawood who had set his heart upon her, meeting her after Rainborough had already known her for some time. Indeed, it was probably Sawood's passion which had first revealed Rosa's charms to Rainborough, but it would have seemed to him absurd to love Rosa vainly, since his friend already did so. Rainborough was not averse to being unhappily in love. Indeed, an arrangement of this kind would have suited him very well, but he was reluctant to undertake the drudgery of an unrequited attachment if he was not also to have the satisfaction of being, in the eyes of the world and of the object of his love, a solitary figure. As a lonely and unfortunate admirer, Rainborough could, he thought, have found in the tension of such a relationship a mode of being both apart from and together with the beloved, such a combination, in short, of security, yearning, and rapture as had now become his ideal conception of partnership with a woman. That Rosa could ever have returned his love did not enter his head, any more than it entered his head to imagine that she might ever return that of Peter Sawood. It seemed to Rainborough now very unlikely that Rosa, who was a year older than himself, would ever get married. The beautiful possibilities of the situation had been spoilt by the unexpected and tireless way in which Sawood had elected to love Rosa. Rainborough had no wish to be one of two people inspired by the same fruitless passion. In such a role he would have felt merely ridiculous. For such reasons he was not in love with Rosa. He had, all the same, a certain inclination for her. He admired what he took to be an ascetic trait in her character, and he liked her sulky pessimism, her sarcasm, even her rudeness, and her extremely long black hair. "'Has she seen him?' he asked Sawood. "'Does she know he's in England?' "'I don't know,' said Sawood. "'Rosa hasn't been here for ten days.' "'Did Fox mention her?' asked Rainborough. "'No.' Well, what the hell did you talk about? 
Never mind, don't tell me. I wonder, ought we to mention to Rosa that Fox is here? She'll certainly already know, said Peter Sawood. I don't see why she should, said Rainborough. She might miss it in the papers, and after all, the heavens don't turn red when Misha Fox lands. Comets don't burn in the sky, whatever some people may think.